from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Presented by 2020lifestyles.com. This is The Blitz. The first look at the top stories in Seattle sports. They don't make them like us. We're not like everybody else. The rundown on everything Seattle sports on your way to work. Swing and a fly ball. Deep right center field. He did it again. And the stories everyone is talking about. We got to This is the Blitz at 6. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Monday, March 23rd. Hopefully everybody had a safe weekend. Indoors, I'm guessing. Hanging out with family and friends. Maybe just communicating with them, like myself, via FaceTime. To play board games via FaceTime, just FYI. That's what I'm learning in quarantine. Uh, Things I'm grateful for right now are those family and friends, are the ability to come to work and be here and chat with you guys and hang out for this next hour. So thank you so much for being here right now. Ahead, we'll get into some Jadevian Clowney news. We heard a number thrown out over the weekend, a pretty interesting one, and also confirmed by our own Jake Heaps. What does he think and make of it? Clowney sort of stuck in free agency limbo. We'll hear from some of the national pundits on that as well. Also, 2013 continues to be a year that John Schneider likes. Uh, Not a lot of people loved 2013 in terms of the draft class, but another of those signees here in Seattle on the offensive line. All ahead in this hour right now. Let's get to your headlines. According to a tweet from the pick6.com of the weekend, this was on March 20th, actually. Uh, they tweeted out a source close to the situation tells me the Seahawks offer to Jadevian Clowney was in fact for 13 million, not the 18 and a half million reported earlier. Teams offering right around 13 to 14 million dollars. Um, now, of course, there's a lot of reports out there on the internet now, but our own Jake Heaps, who you can follow along on Twitter as well and listen to every day from noon to three as part of Tom, Jake, and Stacy. The next day, he tweeted out, talking with the pick6.com and verifying their source, I can confirm this tweet. Not surprised to see the Seahawks starting offer in the 13 to $14 million range on a one to two year deal. Uh, Jake Heaps also went on to say that he and John Clayton over the past uh, over the week have the belief that the deal will end up being around 15 to 16 million dollars in that range. Bucky Brooks on uh, recently talking about the Seahawks having leverage in the Clowney situation. Count all the leverages on the team's end. The team can kind of smoke play this and do it because Jadavion Clowney doesn't have any leverage in this situation. He can't show people that he's healthy. He obviously can't. Uh, make visits and the like. So everything that he's left with is his injury history and whatever he's put on tape. And as we talk about what he's put on tape is, look, when he wants to and turns on the light, he can be a very disruptive player. However, he's not necessarily a game changer when it comes to the passing game. And so the value and the premium when it comes to uh, the top guys in the market are, can you knock the quarterback down? Can you alter and disrupt the timing in the passing game? He hasn't shown that he can do that consistently. And so you just have to sit out and wait. But, yeah, if I'm the Seattle Seahawks, I think you wait a couple of days, but I think you make that phone call and you see if you can get them on a team-friendly deal. Former offensive tackle Joe Thomas also on with 710 last week and talking about the medical assessments uh, holding up a clowny deal. Of course, with all the COVID-19 concerns, uh, league sort of at a standstill in terms of the new league has started, but not being able to perform physicals or five players because, of course, safety concerns. I think the reason that he hasn't been signed yet uh, is twofold. One, he was asking for a lot of money. And maybe the market wasn't exactly there to, to reset the market for outside linebacker, pass rusher, defensive end types. 
But also, he has had some medical issues throughout his career. Obviously, mm -hmm. he had the microfracture in the knee coming out of college, and he's had some knee issues uh, in the NFL. He had some core muscle injuries last season with Seattle and with the current state of affairs with the coronavirus. Teams are going to want to get their hands on you and have their team physicians check you out in person. They don't want to just rely on somebody else's report if they're going to give you a bag of money. Adam Schefter said in the past week that this sort of led to a free agency limbo of sorts for Clowney, for other players like him as well. Here's the thing. You see players fly off the shelf right away with deals, but not all players get deals right away. And this is an example of a player who wanted over $21 million a year at this point in time and can't get it. And so he's in a situation now where sometimes players don't get what they're asking for. Clowney's looking for a lot. Last year, I believe he had 31 tackles, three sacks. Seattle would like him back, but it's a situation where they're not going to pay him at that level right now, make him the highest paid defensive end in the game. They're happy to bring him back, but there's got to be a more common ground. Otherwise, they're not going to pay that. So he'll keep looking around, but there has not been a team so far willing to meet his price. Lewis Riddick also talking about the uncertainty surrounding Clowney. And it's about uncertainty. There's a lot of uncertainty concerning, look, if we, are we really going to pay Jadevian $20 million, north of $20 million a year for three sacks? No, you're not going to do that. Even though he has those games where, like he had out in San Francisco, where we watched them up close and personal against the 49ers, and he wrecked them. Absolutely wrecked them. But he doesn't do that north, you know, on a consistency basis where it would justify paying him $20 million a year. And finally, Ryan Clark comparing Jadavian Clowney to a dunker in the NBA. When you look at Jadavian Clowney, he's mm -hmm. like a phenomenal dunker in basketball, right? You see a game where he comes down and he windmills or he has a 360 or he catches one off the rim. And there's all these wild plays and we think about his athleticism. But then when you really break down the numbers, he's not getting to the quarterback like we see some of the elite pass rushers do. He's not affecting the games game in and game out like some of these $20 million rushers do and so that's why you have a hard time giving him that money we do have some news and when it comes to uh, actual signings just hoping to hear something on the clowny front a lot of people are but the seahawks agreeing to terms with guard chance warmack on a one-year deal adding more bodies to the trenches there he's the fourth o-lineman they've added in free agency following brandon shell bj finney and cedric obwayi 28-year-old Warmack has 51 starts under his belt since he was drafted 10th overall in 2013. There's that 2013 uh, class again. But he didn't play in 2019 and then was a backup in Philly in 2017 and 2018. Starting to sound familiar here. A lot of these guys either uh, out last year or like reclamation prog projects here in Seattle. Uh, he's primarily played right guard where Seattle now currently has DJ Fluker under contract for another season. That'd be just over $4 million, a cap charge for Fluke. The Seahawks also expected to re-sign guard Jordan Simmons after non-tendering him as an exclusive free rights agent. E uh, EFR, uh, like, exclusive rights free agents don't allow for split salaries, which Seattle would likely give Simmons because he's had uh, some struggles with injuries. Seahawks non-tendered three others, making them unrestricted free agents. That would be Jeremy Boykins, Tyrone Swoops, tight end, and defensive back Callan Reed, and tendered four exclusive rights free agents, wide receiver Malik Turner, Jordan Roos, Ryan Creature Man, of course, Ryan Neal, and Brian Monet. Uh, 
Up next on the Blitz, we'll get to some of the New England Patriots news. Of course, Tom Brady headed to Tampa Bay, and they made a signing, someone who's very familiar with New England, back for the third time, Brian Hoyer, but also a really interesting article from Seth Wickersham over the weekend. Finally, a, a Seth Wickersham article that is not on Seattle, but more on the Brady-Belichick breakup and what went wrong there after 20 years. Uh, we'll discuss next. We'll also get to chat with Danny O'Neill next on The Blitz, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. I can speak words this morning. Lydia Cruz alongside with you. Monday, March 23rd. Heard an interesting tweet. Saw one over the weekend about Jadevian Clowney. This coming from the pick six saying that the offer that Clowney received from the Seahawks may be a little bit lower than a lot of us had anticipated. According to pick six, uh, the offer not around 18 and a half like some reports had said earlier, but in fact, for $13 million and our own Jake Heaps confirming this. What? Did this number say to you, Danny O'Neill, when you first heard it? Thirteen million. I was surprised that it was that small. That that was my honest first blush reaction. Was wow, <laughs> that is not nearly as much I thought it would have been, if not eighteen million, right close to that uh, per year. And and then seeing Jake Heaps that 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 he corroborated where the information was coming from. Um, I, I I certainly take it sort of at face value the second thing was was well nobody's come in and blown it out of the water yeah so maybe the seahawks gauged it right the one thing i would caution everyone is about trying to lock in exactly what the offer is and and how much he's asking for all of those things are so fluid because of the the shape of the contract can change with the number of guarantees, with the number of years, there's a lot of different ways to play. So if you're if you haven't agreed to a deal, it's very possible to couch it in a way. Well, their offer was 14 million dollars, and that might have been true if it was a five year contract with the first two years fully guaranteed. That it might have been a 14 million dollar per year average. If it was a one year contract, maybe it was an 18.5 million dollar. So I want I want to caution everyone against saying like, well, they were only offering him 13 million dollars a year. Because I'll bet that that's not just strictly true. If it was a one-year contract, I don't think they were going to they, they were offering him. Hey, if you come here for a one-year contract, which I actually honestly think the Seahawks might be amenable to, mm-hmm. I don't think it would be at thirteen million dollars. So I want to caution people against drawing hard and fast lines about about what that gap means. But overall, I think it means that Seattle's offer was significantly smaller than I was expecting, and most people were expecting. And the fact that he's not signed. Points to the fact that maybe Seattle gauged this right. And this is reflective of the market demand at this time, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing about free agency is there's there's a bit of a guessing game. And when you've got the player, you can always kind of try and figure out, okay, if he gets on the open market, is someone going to spend more on him than, than I'm willing to or that I've offered? Because for up until he becomes a free agent, you're pretty much bidding against yourself. And what this would mean is that you haven't had – you haven't even probably had one team that has come in and blown Seattle's offer out of the water, let alone getting a couple teams involved where there's some bidding and back and forth where the the price really will increment up. Every agent is trying to get his player to the open market, and then he wants them to to have multiple suitors so he can say, well, we're going to go here mm-hmm. unless you give me this. 
the fact that Genevieve Clowney is one of the highest remaining unsigned free agents speaks to the fact that that market for him hasn't materialized. And it's either because his asking price is too high, which would be the team's perspective, or because teams aren't offering enough, which is what the player's perspective would be. And who has that leverage, of course, here uh, moving ahead? But uh, both John Clayton and Jake Heaps, at least Heaps tweeting this out, saying that they believe the deal will end up being 15 to $16 million in that range. Do you have more questions about the ultimate price tag or the length of the deal at this point? Length. That, that's that's entirely. I, I I would I would expect it. The the way it stands now, I would be really surprised if it was longer than a two year agreement. Wow. Just yeah. given, I, I would I would be shocked because Seattle and it is usually in the team's interest to keep it to to keep it longer. But Seattle has shown a history and a tendency of when they've got a guy that feels that he's not getting paid. Look at what they did with Jaron Reed. Okay, you 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 feel that the market that you wanted hasn't materialized. Well, come back and play your tail off for two years and get another bite at the apple. That you you'll get back into free agency and get your point, get your value to the point that you will be more sought after. That's definitely typically been Seattle's been very comfortable with that approach. Meanwhile, over the weekend, the Seahawks signed another offensive lineman and yet another 2013 draft pick for Pete and John. What is it about the year 2013 that stands out so much to them? A year that basically all other pundits have panned. Well, the the fact is they've panned it. I don't think they would believe it's any better draft than people that those players are available because they haven't panned out with the teams that picked. <laughs> yeah, okay. In, yeah. in most cases, they haven't panned out with multiple teams. This isn't a case of them sitting like, oh, we're appreciating a treasure that nobody else is. Yes. They, all of these players, eh, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that I'm right because they've signed. This is Chance Warmack is the fifth of the top 10 picks in that draft that Seattle's added. Wow. And they've got seven of the top 15 because then you throw in DJ Fluker and Ziggy Ansa. Or I'm sorry, J, uh, uh, DJ Fluker and um, the Sheldon Richardson, the defensive tackle that they traded for from the Jets. Yeah, don't forget the, Luke Jokel, number two overall. Wow, okay. All those guys, it's all been, none of them, not one of them has been signed to more than a two year deal. And most of them have been on one year arrangements. They've been test drives. And some of them worked out. Deion Jordan, I would say, actually kind of worked out. Barkevius Mingo was fine. Mm -hmm. And you were actually able to trade him. He was an asset, which would point to the fact that you didn't overpay him. The fact that somebody else was willing to take on the money that that he was going to be paid. So I, I, I think overall, when you look at it, it's been it's been their opportunity, and they've seen it. Well, this guy looked good a few years ago. Well, let's give him a shot, as opposed to like, oh, we really, really want this guy. <laughs> Okay, so adding some depth there. Meanwhile, I, I just wanted to ask you, Danny, too, what are you just missing about sports right now? We got some of ESPN The Ocho back over the weekend, so I was watching some interesting, well, there's a couple of eating contests, which I'm not really into, but uh, there were some other interesting, at least, things to watch on TV. What are you missing specifically about sports right now? Oh, I certainly, I certainly miss uh, the NCAA tournament. It's my favorite event of the year. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the main reason is because the bar of entry is so low. <laughs> everybody, everybody can get into it, right? Mm -hmm. You don't need to. Have, you can. You, you, the person who's watched college basketball every day for four months loves it, and the person who hasn't watched a minute of college basketball can absolutely get into it. Why? Because we all fill out brackets. You don't need any expertise to do that. And every game is identified who the, the, the underdog is. There is, there's an upset and you're naturally either going to be cheering for your bracket or against somebody else's bracket 
or for the upset. Everybody has a rooting interest, and there are so many darn games through those first two weekends, or through the, through the first two rounds, the first four days. It's my favorite weekend of the year, so I certainly missed that over this past weekend. How do you consume March Madness? Are you Do you like to watch by yourself? Do you have watch parties with friends? Do you, What's your tradition? I usually, well, several times that I've, I've traveled for the first couple rounds. Oh, uh, last yeah. year I went to Salt Lake City. Um, and watch that was Syracuse was in that region. Baylor, uh, Gonzaga was there and watched the first two rounds there. That's right. It's part of your um, tradition. I've done it sometimes. I don't do it every year like Tom Kelly does. Tom Kelly, it's his. So and cool. he, yeah, he used to uh, host a real estate show there on Cairo 97.3 FM. Long time um, Seattle area is on TV. He was the real estate editor at the Seattle Times. It's his favorite. It's his favorite trip of the year. He loves the tournament. It brings his three sons. It's mm-hmm. absolutely a blast. Um, and th- they, they hustle tickets like nobody's business. I, I've <laughs> never seen anything like it. Uh, last year, last year we got, we got eight down low, uh, oh. eight down low for the Syracuse bracket wow. because Tom grew up near Greg Robinson, who used to be the, the head coach. Uh, he's actually a really good friend of Pete Carroll's used to be the head coach at Syracuse. Syracuse is in that. So he calls Greg and says, Hey, I don't know how things left with Syracuse. But if there's any way you can get a couple tickets, I got a group of guys that's going to be going to these games. And Greg's wife calls him back and says, Tom, I got eight down low. How's that? Oh, oh, that's okay. Yeah, I think we're okay with that. Yeah, Tom, oh, Tom's wow. probably going to be mad because I'm spilling his secrets. As he said to me before when I've asked him for tips, he's like, I really don't want you writing about it because at some point <laughs> we're going to go to a game and we're going to be looking for tickets and there are going to be no tickets. For years, Tom went to the Final Four without a ticket and always paid face to get in oh my goodness and that that used to be now now that's a little easier because it's so much bigger mm-hmm. like the, the arenas but like 1993 1992 or 1993 i think it was in like mcnichols arena it was one of the last little tiny that's a 19 seat arena wow. uh and he was able to so he he and his sons are the best i've ever seen at at the ticket hustle well, hopefully, you know, things will be back to normal here in the future. Obviously, March Madness not going to happen this year, but uh, hopefully next year we'll be back and you guys will be hustling tickets. You'll get eight down low again somehow next year. Oh, we were low. We low. were down low for low, that low. one. Get low. Danny, thank you so much, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. You bet. Take care. Danny O'Neill, listen to him every morning from 7 to 10 a.m. right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Up next on The Blitz, Bill Barnwell joining Bob Dave and more to discuss Jadevian Clowney's eventual contract, why there is a holdup here in Seattle, plus more. It's next on The Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Liddy Cruz alongside with you Monday, March 23rd. Thanks for hanging out this morning. We've been talking a lot about Jadevi and Clowney on this show, of course, as we had through free agency here. Now there might not be games and sports to keep us entertained on TV, but free agency, at least, has not been boring thus far. Thank you, Tom Brady, for adding to that excitement. Yesterday, or excuse me, last Friday on With Bob, Dave, and More, Bill Barnwell joining the show to discuss some of the Seahawks free agent signings, especially up on that offensive line. Joining us now on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline, you read his stuff at uh, ESPN, you see him everywhere. He is Bill, Bill Barnwell with us. Bill, how are you, sir? Hey, how's it going, guys? 
Uh, it's going all right. You know, we're, we're just kind of waiting for something big to happen with the Seahawks. Nothing yet to this point. But mm-hmm. we saw a tweet that you sent out yesterday talking about the one-year $3.3 million deal with Cedric Oboehe would qualify for an F if we graded backup <sighs> lineman grades. That's the, that's the worst O-line deal they've done since Jokel, which sent a shiver down every Seahawks fan's spine, <laughs> Bill. Why, why, why do you say this about Oboehe? Um, I mean, he, you know, Agbuie, he's really struggled um, over the course of his career. He's a guy who came into the NFL as a first-round pick, had some injuries, and he was the guy that Bengals drafted to replace Andrew Whitworth, and that went about as disastrously as it could have gone. They've now tried to replace him with two different players, I think three different guys, actually, in the long run, uh, the Bengals replacing Andrew Whitworth. He's a project, and he's not making three point three million dollars. But this is a guy who should be getting the minimum. Realistically, he is a, you know, a guy who you might hope, hey, there's some athletic traits in there. We're gonna hope that we can develop him to something in camp, but he's not gonna make the roster otherwise. This is a guy who I think is is, is guaranteed right around one point six million, which is uh, just it, it's the wrong move for what the Seahawks need right now. Well, Bill, what about some of the the other things that the Seahawks have done? They they signed a couple of other uh, Brandon Shell and then uh, mm-hmm. the Finney kid out of uh, Pittsburgh. Yep. And uh, what what do you think about some of the other things they have done, including not signing uh, Clowney yet? Yeah. So in terms of the offensive linemen, Brandon Shell is not especially impressive with the Jets. I have to admit, maybe they see something they can correct. But I mean, I, I would say a sub Jermaine Effetti right tackle. Certainly, and uh, given that Jermaine Effetti is still on the market, I wonder what his, his deal is going to come in at, um, whether it would have been better to re-sign Effetti, who obviously you know, could, was very frustrating at times for the Seahawks. I like Finney, um, an underrated player. I think someone who's going to you know, play meaningful snaps for the Seahawks at guard. Um, uh, you know, going to be a good player for them. The Jadenian Clowney thing is really interesting, and I think the reason why he hasn't signed somewhere yet. There's a little bit about his performance, which, you know, if you're going to pay a guy $20 million a year, which is sort of where he's at in terms of his, uh, you know, his demands or what he's expecting from the market, you can't have a three-sack season. That's part of it. You only have three sacks. And I know he was better than that sack total, but just a hard sell to your owner to say, hey, we're going to pay that much money for a guy with three sacks. But I think the bigger concern is we're looking at a guy here who has microfracture surgery on his knee in his past, who has had... Uh, that core injury that bothered him for the second half of 2019. And that's not something that's going to necessarily scare away teams, but they're going to want to get medicals on it. And, of course, given the shortage of doctors, the shortage of, you know, the inability to travel in some cases here where we have the, you know, uh, uh, of course, Washington being one of the places that are, you know, um, people are trying to stay home within the coronavirus. It's more difficult to get that medical information than it would be during a typical year. So I think we're seeing teams who might be interested say, hey, we can't go out and give Davian Clowney $19 million a year or $20 million a year unless we get a full medical, and we're just not in a position to go to Davian Clowney and get a full medical done. That was Bill Barnwell on with Bob Dave and more. His full interview available for you on the podcast page of 710sports.com. Also on that show last week, ESPN's Brady Henderson joining those guys to chat about the latest for the Seahawks. Let's talk about the Seahawks team and what they've done and what they haven't done to this point. They haven't, you know, we I know they were playing a clip of Russell Wilson earlier in the day saying, hey, we need to bring in some big time stars here and, you know, some big names and, and you know, how literally you want to take that. We'll, we'll see. But 
to this point, they haven't done it. They re-signed Jaron Reed. They bring in a, a few offensive linemen, none of which I've heard of. Uh, what do you think of what they've done, and is there any concern as to what they haven't done at this point? Yeah, you know, I, I thought that they could come out of the gates this year with a big acquisition, and I know that that has not been their M.O. In fact, um, you know, before the negotiating window opened up, I looked back at all the free agent deals they've done all, in terms of guys that they've added, uh, free agents that they've added from the outside, and the biggest deal in terms of annual average was actually the Ziggy Ansa deal from last year, if you can believe that or not, at $9 million. So they had not paid an outside free agent um, more than the $9 million on average that they paid him last year. I thought that, that that could change this year just because the state of the pass rush being what it is and um, needing pass rushers as much as they do and also you know having a little bit of money to spend. So um, it, I thought that they could do that, but it's not, again, just with the, their history, it's not terribly surprising that they haven't made a big move yet. And what I would say, too, is um, you know, there's still time. We, we sort of tend to think of this as um, you know, kind of a short-term thing. Free agency goes on for a long time. There's, there's different uh, phases of it, and we've seen them be pretty active uh, in that third phase of free agency, which is when they got Jadevian Clowney last year. So um, I know people are probably panicking seeing all the other teams in the division, or at least the, you know, the Cardinals um, you know, get better and other teams making these big splash moves. But I would say you know, there is still time, and there's still some pass rushers available. Well, and Brady, would you say that possibly the fans and maybe us a little bit are panicking a little bit more about the pass rush than the Seahawks are? I mean, what you're sort of seeing and hearing from Schneider and and uh, and Pete Carroll, I mean, do you think maybe they're thinking, hey, you know, just the way we played defense, there wasn't time to get to the quarterback? Have you have you sensed that same urgency from from the team that you are from everybody else? Yeah, that's a good point, and I, you know, I would wonder if if maybe they, you know, believe in some of their current pass rushers more than other people do. You know, so guys like Rasheem Green, who, um, you know, took a little bit of a step last season and actually led the team with four sacks, which I guess that says as much about their pass rush as a whole as it does about um, him as an individual. But Shaquem Griffin, L.J. Collier, who they spent a first round pick on, so you know, they might feel better about their ability to get production from the guys that they currently have, but. Um, I would think that they still realize that, or they still consider that to be their biggest need. And, um, you know, I think another thing I would add, too, is, you know, I mentioned guys um, are still available. Guys are still becoming available. You saw Clay Matthews, uh, you know, become available today. The Rams released him along with Todd Gurley. And so um, they're going to have a better feel for that landscape than, than we are in terms of, you know, who might become available in addition to the, you know, pass rushers that we've been talking about for the last month or so. Um, and I think that's part of it, too. Brady, let me give you a multiple-choice question. Uh, the first answer is Jadeveon Clowney returns to the Seahawks. Do you think that's a possibility? Ngakwe or Judon in a trade? Everson Griffin or none of the above? Are you asking me which I think is the most likely? Yes. Yeah, I, I, at this point, I would probably, gosh, I mean, Clowney, I will say this, Clowney, the, the, the reunion with Jadeveon Clowney looks a lot more likely to me than it did, um, you know, three, four days ago before the negotiating window started. And I was, I was fairly consistent just since the end of the season uh, in predictions that they asked us to make on ESPN.com. And I thought it was more likely that he signs elsewhere, but that was based on the belief that um, his market could, you know, get him a deal in that $20, $21 million, you know, Frank Clark range. Um, which, and I would remind people, one reason I felt that way is because the Seahawks didn't want to pay that to Frank Clark. 
Um, and if his price tag got that high, I, I was just not inclined to believe that they would break the bank for him, for Clowney, after not doing that for Frank Clark. And at this point, just with the way that the market has gone, you have not seen a pass rusher really push that market all that high. Eric Armstead uh, got $17 million. And when I say pass rushers, I mean edge rushers specifically. Eric Armstead uh, got $17 million on an extension. I think the next closest you know, unrestricted free agent was Dante Fowler at $16 million. So you have not seen anybody push that uh, market to, uh, or anybody get a deal you know, approaching $20 million. And so... I think the Seahawks, you know, maybe if Clowney's market is, is well below $20 million, that becomes a lot more palatable to the Seahawks, um, and I could see that happening. So it, that seems a lot more likely to me uh, than it did four days ago. ESPN's Brady Henderson on with Bob Dave and more, and that full interview also available for you, 710sports.com. Up next on The Blitz, it's the breakup that you just hated to see, Belichick and Brady. Seth Wickersham with an article on what went wrong there in New England after 20 years, like we have, we say this with a grain of salt, right? Because they did a lot over the past two decades. But why Tom wasn't able to finish his career in New England, we've got some sound on that. It's next on the Blitz, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio. It's time for. The Hot List. Holy mackerel. The headlines for the day in sports every morning at 645. Heck yes. What are we missing here? A full breakdown of the top stories of today on your morning drive. Let's go. better than being back for the second time being back for the third time the new england patriots agreed to terms on a one-year deal with veteran quarterback brian hoyer according to adam schefter hoyer's contract with the pats is for just over a million dollars 1.05 million and between the colts where he spent time last season and the pats hoyer will make two million in guarantees this season the Colts released him on Saturday. Hoyer returns for his third, count it, third stint with the Patriots. He started his career with them back in 2009 and then over the past decade has had stints with the Cardinals, Browns, Texans, Bears, and 49ers for returning to New England in 2018 and then spending time with the Colts in 2019. Hoyer joins 2019 fourth-round draft pick Jarrett Stidham, who uh, by all accounts the Patriots are pretty high on, but leaving a, a big gap in Tom Brady in terms of veteran leadership, and then also five-year veteran Cody Kessler on their roster as well. So those are the three quarterbacks in New England, and Hoyer the most experienced of the three. Stidham beat out Hoyer for the number two job last preseason, which led the pa- Patriots to release Hoyer with hopes of bringing him back later in the season. But the Colts scrambling after Andrew Luck's sudden retirement signed Hoyer to a three-year contract to back up Jacoby Brissett. It's also just a weird year last year where a lot of quarterbacks went down. Uh, and you could imagine that if it hadn't been the Colts, he might have ended up somewhere else as well. Hoyer appeared in four games last year and made one start when Brissett suffered a knee injury, completed just 53.8% of his pass attempts last year through for 372 yards, four touchdowns, and four interceptions. But as I mentioned, 34 years old does add experience to the quarterback room. He has 38 starts in 69 NFL games, the most of the current three New England quarterbacks. 13 of those starts came in his time with the Browns, though, back in 2014. Seth Wickersham with an interesting piece up on the front page of ESPN.com. But talking about Brady leaving New England and to him and 
explains the whole breakup in detail, but why this wasn't a shock at all. I think that the issues that, that were going on in the fall of 2017, which were mostly centered around Tom once again reaffirming his public declaration to play until his mid-40s and the Patriots' refusal to give him a contract to allow him to play that long as a New England Patriot were still true last week. I think that's at the root of things. And it, it rubs up against the entire Patriot philosophy that we've watched unfold over the past 20 years where you had Tom Brady loving football, not really knowing what he wanted to do outside of the game because nothing made him as happy as playing and wanting some clarity on where he was going to play into his mid-40s and the genius of Bill Belichick, which is to always know when to move on from a player and usually doing it early. So I think that was the tension that was always going to be there. And that's why I don't think anyone should be surprised at how it played out. Also, Seth Wickersham on the fact that the Patriot way, well, wore on Brady a little bit after two decades. It's a hard system to be in. I mean, the coaching that, um, you know, he endured and, you know, this isn't new, but it's, you know, it's a lot of grief to put up with for that long as you're winning three, four, five, six Super Bowls. And I think, you know, Robert Kraft made kind of a clumsy analogy to being in a marriage, but wanting to leave the marriage because you couldn't stand the in-laws. And that's kind of what he meant. I mean, he, at the end of the day, the, the relationship between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and the contract, which was the dividing line, was just irreparable. Seth Wickersham also saying that Brady wants a new challenge for himself, and he'll find that in Tampa Bay. I think he's never played the game to prove the Patriots wrong or to prove Bill Belichick wrong. I think that he's always done it for self-actualization. He's someone I've known for a long time, and all of the deep conversations you have with him come back to that theme. What more can he get out of himself? What new bar can he set? It's all self-motivation with him. And I think that, you know, that's what he's needed to rediscover, some of the joy that comes with that self-motivation. Meanwhile, uh, what will things look like in Tampa Bay? Will Bruce Arians adjust his scheme to Brady's skill set? Greg Allman of The Athletic commenting on that. Yeah, I mean, I think you certainly meet in the middle. Um, I don't know if you expect everybody else in the offense to learn something new to make it easier for Tom, but at least in terms of scheme, in terms of fundamentals, uh, you'd be crazy not to yield to his strengths and his weaknesses. I mean, I think that probably starts with, with protection, to be honest. I mean, they have to protect him better than they did Jameis Winston last year. Uh, they gave up 47 sacks, gave up a ton of quarterback hits. Um, you have to protect him like the 43-year-old quarterback he's going to be. Expectations, reasonable ones for the Bucks next year? With Brady now, uh, you have to think that most people are going to have them competing with New Orleans for the NFC South title. Um and again, if you can just get into the playoffs with Tom Brady as your quarterback, that's a much better January conversation than they've been having in Tampa Bay for a long time. The Kraft family, meanwhile, thanked Tom Brady in a full-page ad in Sunday's Tampa Bay Times, punctuated with this message to Buccaneers fans, quote, take care of him, you got a great one. The ad was published two days after the Bucks signed him to a two-year contract, running under the headline, thank you, Tom. The Kraft's message had a lot of love and respect for Brady as, quote, the GOAT and forever a part of our family. Free agent quarterback Jameis Winston, meanwhile, he had a farewell of his own. He took to uh, Instagram um, to post a picture on social media uh, the night in 2015 that he was drafted with the first overall pick. Also on Twitter, he put this up, but said it's been a great five seasons as a Buccaneer. All love and respect. I love Tampa and look forward to seeing y'all again in February. For the Super Bowl. The Las Vegas Raiders reached a one-year deal with free agent wide receiver Nelson Aguilar. 
Uh, the soon-to-be 27-year-old, May 24th is when he turns 27, but uh, had flashes of brilliance with the Philadelphia Eagles over five seasons with the team, but really struggled to find consistency and now gets an opportunity uh, to work with John Gruden and work with Derek Carr in Las Vegas. New Orleans Saints are bringing back veteran safety DJ Swearinger on a one-year deal. Uh, Swearinger, now 28, joined the Saints late last December after being released by the Cardinals and Raiders earlier in the year. And he was active for only one game in Week 17, but could earn a role on the team by giving them some depth in the secondary and also with contributions on special teams. Philadelphia Eagles cornerback, now newly minted cornerback, uh, Darius Slay said Saturday that he will wear the number 24 with his new team to honor the late Kobe Bryant. Slay, who was traded last week by the Lions to the Eagles, wore number 23 uh, the past six seasons in Detroit, posted about his number choice, though, on Saturday night to honor the Black Mamba and said thinks he's, he's going to wear it well. Canada won't send athletes to the Olympics in Tokyo unless the games are postponed by at least a year, the country's Olympic Committee announced Sunday night amid concerns over the coronavirus pandemic. The committee also said it was willing to help the IOC search for alternatives, but that it was not safe for athletes or their families at this time to continue training for these games. Because keep in mind, it's not just about the event itself. It's that these are world-class athletes that require training every single day and right now there's no gyms open and there shouldn't be because we are experiencing uh this pandemic right now so with concerns for that they are asking or saying that they likely won't send any athletes there this year canada had 314 athletes combined to win 22 medals at the rio games back in 2016 canada is the first country to threaten such a move in the face of the coronavirus pandemic but might not be the last. It joins a number of countries, including Norway, Brazil, Slovenia, that have pressed the IOC on a possible postponement. Earlier Sunday, the International Olympic Committee announced that it will make a decision whether to postpone the 2020 Tokyo Games at some point in the next four weeks. The Seahawks agreed to terms with guard Chance Warmack on a one-year deal. He's the fourth O-lineman. A lot of, uh, a lot of guys in the trenches there. They've added in free agency following Brandon Shell, B.J. Finney, and Cedric Obwehi. 28-year-old Warmack made 51 starts since he was drafted 10th overall back in 2013, but he was a backup in Philly in 2017 and 18 and didn't play in 2019. He's primarily played right guard, and Seattle's already got DJ Fluker under contract for another season there, but he's got a cap hit of just over $4 million. Seahawks also expected to re-sign guard Jordan Simmons after non-tendering him as an exclusive free rights agent. They also non-tendered three others, uh, making them unrestricted unrestricted free agents, including cornerback Jeremy Boykins, defensive back Callan Reed, and tight end Tyrone Swoops. They are pretty set in the tight end department as of now. They also tendered four exclusive rights free agents, wide receiver Malik Turner, guard Jordan Roos, preacher man, defensive back Ryan Neal, and defensive tackle Brian Monet. La Liga has announced the indefinite suspension of professional football in Spain because of the coronavirus pandemic. The announcement came uh, after a meeting with the Royal Spanish Football Federation. The league said in a statement on Monday that it would not resume until the Spanish government says it is safe to do so. La Liga was initially postponed for two game weeks on March 12th, uh, with previous plans to play matches in dark stadiums without fans there. But since then, the coronavirus uh, crisis in the country has worsened, and that plan has been abandoned. It's been scrapped. They're approaching 
30,000 cases in Spain alone, nearly 2,000 confirmed deaths. So La Liga, as as now, no time set on when it would return. You want, you know, a little piece of happy news in this time? It's uh, this week in Seattle sports history. It was actually March 19, 2009. That uh, after two years of being officially granted an expansion franchise for MLS, the Seattle Sounders FC made its debut back in 2009. Since then, has smashed some league records for attendance, won four U.S. Open Cups, two MLS Cups, including last year. Here's Ladero. The referee decides that enough is enough. That is the sound of success. The Seattle Sounders success. That's pretty cool. Just things to feel happy about. Also, maybe ending on a positive note as well. Uh, Jay Harris and Hannah Storm were talking about a lot of what athletes are doing, donating to the coronavirus uh, causes that have arisen. We know right here in Seattle, Russell Wilson and Sierra donating meals to help people get food that they need during this time, but uh, here's some other stories. Kevin Love became the first player in the NBA to donate money to event staff, announcing he would give $100,000 to the workers at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. And your reigning MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo, taken to Twitter, announcing he is going to donate $100,000 to workers at his arena, adding, it's bigger than basketball. Indeed it is. Three LA teams joining together, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Kings, all tenants of the Staples Center, announcing they've created a fund to compensate 2,800 part-time and contract workers that typically staff the arena. Major League Baseball donating $1 million to emergency food services and each team pledging $1 million for ballpark workers affected by the shutdown. And Arthur Blank, owner of the Atlanta Falcons and the MLS Atlanta United, pledging $5.4 million to support coronavirus relief efforts in Atlanta and Montana. It's good to hear. Hopefully those stories will keep rolling in and people will know that they have support out there. Uh, it's very small, but uh, you also, if you're struggling with just needing connection in this time, I know it can be hard to be isolated, please reach out. I'm available on Twitter. My DMs are open, at the Lydia Cruz. So please, uh, if you need any contact, just help, assistance, words of reassurance, uh, I'm there for you, as are many other people in this time. So stay safe out there, my friends. We'll talk soon. That's a wrap for the Hot List and the entire Blitz at 6 Hour. Danny and Gallant coming your way next, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.